Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is drive time. Elliot Dank and Timothy Go and Chua Tim with you. Time now for Market View. One of the things we'll be talking about, China's uh, long-running crackdown on the tech sector. That's finally come to an end. But first... Closing Bell. As always, a quick recap of how we started the day. Now, Singapore shares opened higher today after global markets closed mixed on Friday. So in early trade, the Straits Times Index was up 0.1% to 3,141 points. Some 75 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now, after the closing numbers, the benchmark STI closed up 0.31%. We're looking at 3,149 points. In terms of value turnover, that's 871 million. Sing dollars. Now, gainers outnumbered losers 280 versus 237. Top advances New Incorporation USD, DBS, DFI Retail Group USD, and top decliners Shangri La Hong Kong Dollars, GMH USD, and iFast. Now, in terms of companies to watch for today, we do have Darcin Retail Trust because its trustee manager reported today a net loss of 221. $0.5 million sing dollars, uh, for the second half ended December 2022. And that's a widening of net loss from that $51.8 million sing dollars we saw in the same period a year prior to that. Now, meanwhile, uh, from China ending its long-running crackdown on the tech sector to the US non-farm payroll numbers, more international headlines continue to be in focus. So let's break them down with uh, David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. Mr. Kuo, welcome to the show. Good evening, Tian Tian. How are you? And good evening to the driver. Hello. Good. Hello. And Hello. Hello. And good. And let's start <laughs> with the Singapore stock market as usual, Mr. Kuo. How did the STI fare today? Well, uh, I, I would say it was treading water, Tian Tian. But uh, what is really surprising is that DFI Retail Group, and for those people mm. who don't know what DFI Retail Group is, uh, they own Cold Storage, Guardian, Giant. Uh, and uh, as far as uh, the market is concerned, they will be having half year results towards the end of this month. And they were up about 6%. So does somebody know something I don't know already, that uh, what the results are going to be at the end of this month? Uh, and it certainly seems that way. But I think as far as DFI retail is concerned, uh, not only do they have operations over here in Singapore, they also have comparable operations in Hong Kong. So maybe they're expecting a turnaround for uh, cold storage and also for uh, uh, Manning's um, chemists over in Hong Kong, mm. and that they're going to be producing some some good results. And the the other group of companies, you know, that uh, uh, were, ho- were hogging the the leaderboard were the banks and the uh, real estate investment trusts. And I find that a little confusing because it's almost as though the market can't quite decide whether or not the Fed is going to carry on uh, with interest rates higher for longer. Or are they going to be cutting interest rates? If, the, if it's the former, then I can understand why the banks are going up. If it's the latter, then I can understand uh, why the real estate investment trusts are up there. But both can't be right then, Jen. And mm. so, therefore, maybe the market can't quite decide which direction interest rates are going to be heading. David, can we talk a little bit about bank shares, especially in light of the sluggish loan growth? Any thoughts on this matter? Well, uh, yes, uh, Timothy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 I got it right, didn't I? Yeah. No, it's me. <laughs> we should make this a weekly Monday it's, game. Yeah, it sounds like a game. 
I'm glad you're having fun at my expense. Right? <laughs> of course. Thank you so much. Yeah? Okay. Okay. So, so, so anyway, uh, yeah, uh, that, that, that's a really good point. Uh, loan growth is slowing, but we also know that uh, interest rates are rising. And so it really is a competition between the two. Uh, is interest rate increases going to be driving the net interest margin? In other words, the amount of uh, profits that the banks will be able to make on yeah. the difference between uh, what they charge borrowers and what they uh, uh, pay out to lenders. That, that, that is the crucial point. Mm. And, the, and the one point I want to make, Elliot, is this, right, that there is no one-size-fits-all interest rate. I mean, I was looking the yeah. other day. Yeah. There was a company that went out and had to borrow money, and they were paying 11% interest, right, on their loans. I mean, that's eye-watering. So there is no one-size-fits-all interest rate. And if you go to the bank, whether you go to the bank and I at the same time, Elliot, you may get a much better rate than, than me because you are such a fine, upstanding person <laughs> that isn't going to make fun of somebody on the other end of a telephone line. Yeah? And whereas in my case, you know, I'm, I'm just a nobody. And so therefore, I may get a worse interest rate than you uh, when we decide that uh, we want to borrow money. And that really is the point. That, uh, that I think the banks will continue to uh, do well yeah. in this high interest rate environment. Yeah. And they can literally charge whatever they want. Yet. All right. This is Tim now, David. <laughs> Hello, um, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about one of the companies we're zooming in. This is Monday, Dancin Retail Trust. So its trustee manager reported a net loss of $221.5 million dollars. Uh, this is for the second half end of December of last year, widening the net loss to $51.8 million. Uh, to what extent was this within your expectation? Uh, pretty much so, uh, okay. Timothy. And, and if you have a look at uh, Dyson, they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. I mean, they own all these uh, retail properties in China, and we all know that property prices are coming down in China. And they're also exposed to the retail sector. And we also know that the Chinese consumers are very cautious at the moment. They're not going out spending money. And so um, uh, rentals in many of these shopping malls, these shopping centers are coming down. And so they're making less, less money in terms of uh, the revenue, the rent they collect from the shopkeepers. And then secondly, because they have to mark down their property prices, because properties are coming down in value also. So when you add the two together, Dyson is not really in a good place right now. And they're also having trouble uh, paying off some of their loans. And I think uh, they are also uh, not planning to pay out a distribution this time. So it, it, they're going to have to have a really serious rethink about their business, what they're going to do, and whether or not they're going to be able to offload some of their properties uh, in these distressed times. And if so, who is going to be buying them? So uh, tough times for Dyson, Timothy. Mm, and uh, Mr. Kuo, let's take a look at what's happening in the region. China appears to be ending its long-running crackdown on the tech sector and group hit with a near $1 billion US dollars penalty. Tenpei ordered to pay over $400 million USD. To what extent has this boosted tech stocks in China and in the US thus far? Well, some people say, you know, uh, this is uh, the end of the, the route for uh, the tech companies mm. over in China. I don't particularly buy that because I, I think that uh, what is happening is that uh, maybe the uh, authorities know how much damage they've done to the tech sector yeah. and they, they need to pause for a little bit and then just sort of see what, what, what happens. Some people are taking uh, comfort in the fact that, oh, maybe it's ended, so therefore let's pile in and go and buy Alibaba shares and go and buy Tencent shares mm. and let's drive those share prices up. But as we all know, um, uh, 
the uh, regulators, um, not only in China, but anywhere in the world, can turn on at sixpence. And uh, one minute they say everything's fine, and the next minute nothing is fine. So I do urge people to tread a little bit carefully there and uh, just let the dust settle before they actually pile in and uh, and buy those shares. You don't have to be the first person uh, to jump in the water uh, because um, let somebody else go in first just in case there's sharks around the place, yeah? Mm, so twists, turns, U-turns, pauses, and a skip sounds a little bit like a, the Fed there. But uh, if you're just yeah. tuning in, we are now in conversation with David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. Well, Mr Kuo, China's end group, Minhuang, has announced this surprise share buyback, which values the firm at, I believe, it's $78.5 billion. Uh, which is well below that $315 billion touted in an abandoned IPO back in 2020. How do you read into this? Are plans for an IPO of N Group truly sort of shelved? Well, you know, we had to go back to the previous IPO and, you know, there was a tremendous amount of excitement over the anti-IPO and even people here in Singapore were uh, talking about buying shares in, uh, in Ant uh, when, when the company was going to be floated. But Ant today is not the same as Ant previously. Uh, two of its main pillars, uh, first of all, the lending business, and secondly, the money market business, uh, these have been taken away from Anne. So uh, to use a football analogy for the benefit of uh, Elliot, it's a bit like fielding a team when your star striker is not playing and also your uh, star goalkeeper is not between the sticks. What chance have you got to win a game like that? And I think this is pretty much the case with, uh, uh, with Ant Financial. It's not the same company as it was. So it may go for an IPO, but it certainly won't get the valuation that it was, that it would have had had it floated previously. And so that is why uh, the valuation of the company has been marked down by about what 60, 70 percent at the moment, based on the the share buybacks. Mm, okay. Thank you, David. And let's stay in the region, Mr. Ko. China's Who, who said fat- that? Who said oh. that? You can guess, huh? <laughs> Elliot, yes, I can. I win. Oh, okay. here we go all over again. And let's okay. stay in the region, Mr. Kuo. China's factory gate prices fell at the fastest pace in over seven years, I believe, about seven and a half years in June. At the same time, we saw Hong Kong relaxing that residential mortgage rules, um, but that's not expected to have a major impact on the property market. The question is, looking at China, Hong Kong, uh, what will it take for authorities to act so-called more decisively in terms of stimulus? Well, you see, I mean, uh, what they've actually done, Tian Tian, is to say that uh, now people who want to buy houses and people who want to trade up houses can have a higher loan-to-value. So what it means is you can borrow more money. But they seem to forget that it's, it's not the loan-to-value that is the problem. Sure, you know, if everything was going well, then loan-to-value is a key consideration for anyone. And if the bank's willing to lend me more money, sure, I will go out and borrow it. But we are entering an economic downturn. And many mm. of these people will be wondering, if I do take out a bigger loan, will I be able to repay it? And I go back, you know, to a mantra that was taught to me a long time ago. When you go to a bank, never ask how much you can borrow. Always ask how much you can afford to repay. And so uh, we know that interest rates are going to remain high. So just because the bank is going to be lending you more money, Mm. how do you know you're going to have the paycheck at the end of this month or the next month in order to make that mortgage repayment? And if you can't, then, of course, you know, you're in the same position uh, as – anybody else. In other words, you won't be able to repay your mortgage and the bank is not going to look kindly upon you. So I think, you know, what the authorities need to do is to give people confidence 
and mm. there is this big lack of confidence, uh, not only in Hong Kong, but definitely in China, uh, that the economy is going to be okay, which was why we were talking about Dyson Retail Group earlier on. Consumers haven't got the confidence to go out and spend money because mm. they are so worried. And when you have a look at youth unemployment in uh, China, yep. 20% Tian Tian, 20% youth unemployment. I mean, that's yeah. a frightening statistic. It means that if you have five friends, one of them hasn't got a job. So uh, uh, as long as that is going to uh, persist, then I think just changing the loan-to-value to ratio isn't going to encourage people to go out and buy property. Mm, and don't mind me just very quickly following up on this. Why are Chinese authorities not acting more decisively? To what extent are their hands tied? Well, because they, they haven't got the firepower anymore. Um, mm. this, this is not the great financial crisis where the, uh, uh, the, the Chinese government, the People's Bank of China, could actually sort of look into uh, its money bags and say, we've got all this money, we can come out and do all sorts of things. This is not the same situation. Uh, they have spent a lot of their money, and as a result of that, they can't really sort of stimulate uh, even the housing market by coming out and uh, helping people out. So, mm. unfortunately, we're going to have to have this play out. Some people have been talking about Maybe China is going to go through this three decades of um, slowdown that Japan had to suffer around about the 1970s and 80s. Mm. So um, you're going to have to let this work out slowly. And it really depends on how 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 fast this Mm. slows. And uh, if the Chinese uh, authorities don't have the ammunition, don't have the power, don't have the firepower to go and save those consumers, then what they're going to do is to actually sort of be in the same position as, as Japan was back in the 1980s. And I can remember how painful that was. Uh, mm. And from China, let's uh, head over to the US, Mr. Kuo. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said she wouldn't rule out the threat of a US recession. Your thoughts? I mean, we saw on Friday a mixed US jobs report. Fewer than expected jobs were created in June, but wage growth remained strong. So recession, no recession, when would that be? I think I think there is going to be an economic downturn, whether it actually goes into a technical recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, uh, is kind of arguable. But I think there is definitely going to be some slowdown. When we, what we need to remember is that we had this pandemic. And during the pandemic, many people couldn't spend money, but they were still collecting salaries. They were still collecting wages. And as a result, they have a lot of ammunition, which they unleashed. And that was called revenge spending. When that revenge spending is over, Tian Tian, that is when uh, we're going to see uh, the economic downturn play out in full. We're going to see that recession. But for now, there is still some money left in, 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 the, uh, uh, in the coffers, still in their bank accounts, which they can still use to spend. But once that is gone, Tian Tian, that mm. is when the recession begins. So some people are saying maybe in the first quarter of 2024. So maybe for the rest of this year, things will just um, tick along, which is also why the Federal Reserve is uh, waiting to see what impact its interest rate increases will have on the economy. So far, Mm. it doesn't seem to be doing an awful lot. But, you know, it generally takes time. And we also have this added uh, uh, quantity, uh, Mm. which is the amount of savings that people had in their back pockets, which they are, Mm. are still continuing to spend. Okay. Thanks a lot for the insights. That was David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.